0: Hello, and welcome to March's edition of Critics Roundtable. I'm Aria's senior producer, Chloe Lula, and today I'm joined by our in house staff writers. This month, I spoke with Andrew Rice and Kiana Mickles, our music critics, about some of the month's most exciting new releases. We did deep readings of Surgeon's LP, Crash Recoil on Trezor, iJordan and Sherelle's Split Two Tracker on Fabric, and the much-anticipated new album, Radical Romantics, from Fever Ray.
1: Aside from like all of these like conservative lawmakers, um, I think most people that love art um, are becoming more understanding of the vitality of queer culture, and our music scene is following suit. Um, I think the main difference now is that, yeah, dance music artists are creating in an environment where they can be more outspoken about their queerness. Um, And that also means that sometimes their work, whether intentionally or not, um, becomes extensions of their queerness. As you can hear,
0: we also discuss bigger questions that these releases raise. We talk about how some of this month's music invokes themes of love, romance, and desire, which are emerging in the electronic music underground for the first time. How representations of queerness are shifting with the contemporary music landscape, and critically, as LGBTQ rights are coming under fire in the US. And we also talk about the perennial pop electronic music crossover, which has defined the contours of the last few weeks worth of releases yet again. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome back to Critics' Roundtable, where we review a roundup of some of the releases that define the month, as discussed by our in-house music critics. Welcome, Kiana and Andrew. Today, we're going to talk about a few standout albums and EPs that we've selected from our reviews desk. We'll start with the shortest release from this batch, a two-tracker by iJordan and Sherelle called M1M3 slash Get Out of My Head, which came out on Fabric. I'll open a discussion of this release up to both of you. I, Jordan, and Sherelle are both relatively big names in the UK scene, gaining some international notoriety now. How would you define their respective sounds and how they fit within the UK scene?
2: To me, iJordan and Cherelle kind of represent a new wave, or at least the current wave, of UK dance music. Both make this kind of up-tempo, bright, fun, really joyous style of dance music, but they come at it from different angles. iJordan is a bit more of the house, blog house, French house vibe, whereas Cherelle's coming at it from a drum and bass and jungle vibe. Um, And I think the pairing of them is really smart. They went on tour together recently, and the EP was released to kind of mark that tour. Um, and, you know, their tracks are different, but, but quite similar. And I feel like this kind of unabashedly fun and happy dance music that kind of takes influences from all over the UK. It's not just London. It's not just Manchester. You can hear North and there. You can hear the Midlands. It's like this combination of garage, bass line, Durham bass all these sounds that were often ignored in favor of whatever was cool in london are all coming together in a mishmash now and it's really inspiring and i feel like it comes partly from labels like local action and finn that were really highlighting these regional uk sounds that have been left to like languish in their regions and now it's all coming together into this like really fun bright hybrid and i feel like i jordan and jerell really represent some of the best music in this realm and probably the most creative and in uh, talking about this kind of uk moment that's happening right now i mean i'm going out on a limb here I'm, i don't live in the uk i just watch it very closely but it does feel like right now more than in a long time there's a lot of um genre boundaries being broken a lot of sound just coming together people making whatever they feel like uh and yeah, you, know, you have people like i jordan and terrell coming together to, to tour together and collaborate and even though come at thinks from two different angles, it really works. It really works well together. Uh, like I Jordan's track on the EP, it's basically house, but it moves really fast and really slow at the same time. It really captures the kind of fast slow energy of a lot of German bass and jungle stuff coming out of the UK from artists like Fracture. It's just there's so many things going on at once. I uh, you know it, it might not be new, but it definitely feels of the moment.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing that struck me about this record is that it sounds like an EP of a touring artist. Um, When producers are touring a lot, their music changes because, um, you know, the music they're making um, becomes suited for um, different environments and different acoustics within a club. Um, So, yeah, I thought there are some really lovely pads and builds in here. Like there's like an almost like full Euro dance beat we hear and M1 M3 that doesn't come in until the track is near like the three minute mark. And you can almost like picture, um, like that moment invigorating a crowd after the euphoric meditativeness of the song's first half. um, Yeah. And like on Shirelle's end, Shirelle has been producing um, for far less time than I, Jordan. And um, yeah, typically her work is um, like in like the 160 realm, like footwork, jungle, um, drum and bass, like Andrew said. So it was interesting to see her tap into this like more airy um, sound palette.
0: Yeah, we had the opportunity to have iJordan on the exchange not long ago, actually. And I was, as someone who was unfamiliar with their work, really beforehand, I was struck by how incredibly upbeat and inspiring they are as a person. And the conversation was a lot about just like community and um, especially fostering queer community and like good vibes on the dance floor. So that definitely came across in this track as well. So I think you... You hit the nail on the head in your assessment. Um, I wanted to move on to something a little longer now. Surgeon's Crash Recoil LP, his first full length in five years, which came out on Trezor. So, Kiana, you wrote a review of this release. Can you describe how he got started and characterize the Birmingham sound that he first became known for in the 90s?
1: Word. So Surgeon got his start in Birmingham, where he's one of the founding residents of the Club night House of God in the early 90s. And House of God was a freewheeling party that um, was established as a kind of counter to the parties that were taking over the scene at the time. The founders initially bonded not over techno, but actually over like industrial, gothic, and space rock bands. So what they were doing musically ended up being very experimental. Um, you could hear everything from industrial, drum and bass, uh, techno, trance, and reggae there and. They were all doing this at a time when Birmingham parties had like this big, like dress code restrictions thing, um, something that, um, house of God was vehemently against. Um, so yeah, this made them very cutting edge at the time and surgeon started releasing music at this time and his music drew influences from coil and Faust, um, like Literally every surgeon interview <laughs> will mention this. Um, and yeah, so his music incorporated some of those like industrial influences while also maintaining the kind of funky swing of 90s Detroit Techno. Uh, yeah, and he continued to explore some of the more darker sounds of his sound as part of the duo. British murder boys with Regis. How would
0: you say that this album departs from his early work?
1: I feel like you can kind of divide Surgeon's discography into two camps. Like he has these very raw punchy techno tracks that you can hear on 90s albums, like basic tonal vocabulary and balance. And then there are like, these more sprawling electronic experimentations. Um, Like I'm thinking of tracks on Force and Form where tracks can go on for like over nine minutes and there are all these unpredictable shifts in sound. And on this album, I was trying to explain this to a coworker while I was writing this review. And these aren't like non-functional tracks, Um, like you could definitely play them in the club, but they aren't traditional in the way that, you know, you have your standard 16 bar intro, and then you add a hi-hat or add a melody or add the kick. These songs are a lot more amorphous. And that makes sense because this is also the first Surgeon album completely influenced by um, his live modular synthesis performances. Um, so in my review, for example, I mention how a leadership contest there's, um, you know, this really bleak vortex of techno in the first half that unexpectedly intensifies more than halfway through. Um, and these tougher drums and sinister pads come in and yeah, there's just like a lot of immersive pad work on this record that feels special and it feels a lot more atmospheric than anything he's done under his surgeon alias um and in my review i also mentioned that like a lot of that pad work i think comes from his recent ambient and drone work with um transcendence orchestra
2: (laughs) i always think it's interesting when an artist like Surgeon who's been making techno for decades releases a new album because it's like, okay, here's another techno album. How is this one going to be different? What's good about it? What's not good about it? And I think the most remarkable thing with the new one is how if you put it up next to one of his older albums, like track by track, it's not that different, but there is a difference of feeling. There's more depth to the sounds, to the textures. The music feels more open. Uh, And I just think it's remarkable that Surgeon can make, an album of eight techno tracks um, so long into his career and have it just sound so inspired, so new. You know, he's not he's not doing anything radically new either within the formula of techno or within his own formula, but you can just hear the inspiration in the melodies and the arrangements. As Kiana said, the arrangements hardly ever sit still. The uh, percussion arrangements are quite dynamic, and I just think that Surgeon is an example of someone who both inspires and is constantly inspired by techno uh it's not always easy to keep innovating within that small plot of land that is the genre Um, and he is an artist who is so talented that he can constantly find new wrinkles and new sounds to bring out in techno without radically altering the formula and i think one reason why this album felt so big and important is because it's just surging at the top of his game nothing more uh and when you have an artist as talented as surgeon to hear them at the top of their game is a, is a treat. And that's why this album is so important in his catalog because it just, it just catches him at a moment where he's truly inspired and doing his best and kind of staying in his lane in like the best way possible.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, especially if you listen to some of what Regis is putting out now, who's collaborating a lot with surgeon in the nineties, it's very much like The same loops being repeated over and over again like it feels and i i love regis so i'm this isn't me trying to like throw shade but it definitely doesn't feel like he's like innovated or progressed in the way that you um you say that surgeon has um kiana you just mentioned this but you also write in your review that surgeon has historically kept his live and studio work separate but that they meet in these tracks how do we hear that, and what effect does this kind of quote unquote hybrid practice have on the music?
1: Right. So, like I mentioned um, about leadership contests, there are a lot of there are a lot of moments in this album where sounds just seem to morph into something else entirely, and the moods of each track can often oscillate abruptly in my review i mentioned for example how subculture starts out gently with these pads that kind of come in like um, an ominous mist and then suddenly the track switches gears and gets sucked into a techno wormhole and then there are tracks like Oak Bank, which goes through so many phases. First, there's this very airy ambient techno, and then what I call um, I'm everything sounds like Eurodance to me today, but um, then what I call a Eurodance-esque baseline comes in, and then there are these really gorgeous seesawing pads, and then he follows that with punchy techno, and I could go on about how he managed to manages to swiftly move from light to dark on this album. Um, and yeah, it just like again, um, feels more like less like traditional techno tracks and more like cinematic scenes or like like something like a sci-fi score. Cool. Uh, let's move on to Fever Ray.
0: So, Andrew, you said that this LP, Radical Romantics, is a career best. Can you start by providing a little more context about Fever Ray and their trajectory since they've had quite a long career and it's changed a lot in the last few years?
2: Fever Ray is the solo project of Karen from The Knife. The Knife was a synth pop band from Sweden that started in the late 90s. They had a big hit with a song called Heartbeat, and then in 2007, I believe, released the Silent Shout album, which I feel like was a big moment for indie rock people getting into electronic and dance music. Their sound was noted for strange, kind of tropical sounding beats and really creepy, pitch shifted vocals with odd lyrics that range from like gibberish to like body horror themes. And then eventually, as all successful bands do, they decided to split up and Karen started the FIFA Ray project, which to me kind of sounded like the knife light at first. I mean, it was great, but the project didn't really develop its own language or sound until the previous album, Plunge, came out. And around the time that Plunge came out, Karen Dreyer came out as uh, non-binary, as, as a queer person. They got divorced and were exploring. Uh, New kinds of relationships and attractions there's there's a song on that album with the lyric that famously says i want to run my fingers up your pussy uh and so i called that album their career best and now i'm calling a new one their career best because i think it's even better um my line was that if plunge was their sexual awakening then radical romantics is their like r- romantic one focus more on love sexuality and tension and attraction without being overt about it. Um, and I think it just it's really fascinating with the way that they manipulate their voice that what you might what you might perceive is the gender of the voice changes, the, the timbre of it changes what sounds creepy or sexy at one moment might sound ridiculous at the next. And I think just they really have a good handle on how to manipulate their voice and get across these feelings that feel much richer and more I guess mature than previously there's a lot more emotional depth in their voice and the way that they manipulate and throw their voice now, which just makes it feel like a, a almost like a transcendent, like new kind of pop music.
0: In your review, you say that ever since Dreyer came out as queer and started making solo work a few years ago, their music has gotten a little bit more bizarre. And you just described a little bit um, about how their production techniques really add... Um, some like uncanny qualities to the music do you think that the Feverry project now has as much broad appeal despite being a little bit less accessible than the Knife was? I mean the the Knife was quite poppy in a a traditional sense
2: yeah I think with Radical Romantics it's kind of reached the same level of pop. I think if you put the record on for like someone who's who's never heard the Knife or Feverry they might be confused but This album connects, I think, a lot of the knife's poppier instincts with a lot of younger, more like Gen Z kind of poppy instincts. Um, I hear parallels with Arca, Bjork, etc. in the way that the sounds are constantly shifting and being manipulated, almost like, like putty in your hand and everything is constantly on the verge of mutating or being transformed. So I think that's that's one thing that makes it feel very current and accessible. Um, but the songs are just tight. The lyrics are much more uh, comprehensible than, than before. They're funny. I, I think that this probably is Karen's most approachable album or most accessible album since like Heartbeat came out on the Deep Cuts album, By the Knife.
0: Touching on the lyrics, you spend the last paragraph of your review discussing the significance um, of the song, What They Call Us. And you read this as being specifically about queerness and a call for solidarity at a time when the LGBTQ plus community is really coming under fire, especially in the U.S. Can you talk a little bit more about this?
2: Yeah, I, that's probably I mean, that's my reading of it, because the song factually was created for two different movies before eventually just being put as the beginning track of the album. But it's the most ominous track on the album. It has some really uh, intense, sounding lyrics. I uh, just that the the phrase, "Do you hear what they call us?" just makes me think of everything happening, particularly in the U.S. around queer and trans people being under fire uh, by various governments and just by like the discourse, like news organizations, you know, trying to uh, pathologize trans people and gender dysphoria, trying to blame trans people for ills in society, calling trans people and. Drag queens and queer people, groomers, saying they're going after children, etc. Um, and yeah, it just that song came out at like the perfect time. It, it, even now, months later, it still feels really powerful, especially as the situation only gets worse and worse. Um, you know, this week, Iowa passed a law requiring all children to detransition uh, because it will block their access to uh, gender affirming care and medications. Tennessee is like has banned drag queens and other uh, like gender non-conforming performances in public spaces. It's all just going in a really bad, scary direction. And there's something about the song that just feels really powerful in the face of that, especially when um, they say "like I've got a plan. And even though the song isn't clearly about anything, it doesn't really offer a plan, It just there's a certain kind of like trembling anger in it that really feels like that's what it's about. And knowing that Karen Dreyer is like a non-binary person and a recently queer person, it it feels a lot more powerful because like they're they're joining this, you know, this movement.
0: Continuing on this thread, both this batch of reviews and the last tackled a lot of music written by queer and non-binary artists. Do you two think that the musical landscape is really changing to accommodate more non-cis-hetero musicians? And if so, what impact is that having on music making?
1: Yeah, obviously, dance music has always been inherently queer. You know, we wouldn't have disco, house, or ballroom music without queer communities that sought certain dance floors as spaces of refuge. Um, But I think more generally the world um, is changing um, and becoming, um, aside from, like, all of these, like, conservative lawmakers. Um, I think most people that love art um, are becoming more understanding of the vitality of queer culture and our music scene is following suit. Um, I think the main difference now is that, yeah, dance music artists are creating in an environment where they can... Be more outspoken about their queerness um, and that also means that sometimes their work whether intentionally or not um, becomes extensions of their queerness um, so yeah a lot of this makes me think of like the late Sophie's music video It's Okay to Cry which revealed her appearance for the first time um, and you know she appeared like feminine with a with a bob um, and you know lipstick Um, and that was read as you know her coming out as a trans woman for the first time Um, and you know there's also the case of like Octo Octa another trans woman um, who wrote the entire Where Are We Going LP in one block after coming out um, as trans and then intentionally released her album on a queer label Honey Sound System um, and like that, of course, makes me think of Karen Drager's album, Plunge, which um, was also, you know, this, like, embodiment of their own awakening with their sexuality. So, um, yeah, how does that impact music making? Um, that's, that's a harder one. I mean, I feel like things are just going to get more fun and more weird. That's... <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's really tempting to, to draw a line between, like, queer identities and these more malleable identities that are non-binary, you know, not, not sticking to what society dictates as having, like, a more musically open perspective and the sounds are weirder, the sounds are stretched and pulled and really, really distorted beyond what we're used to. Um, but that that could also just be, like a like, a music journalist... Like bullshit kind of thing. So, you know, it could go either way. But there definitely feels like that there's more openness, uh, both in pop music and in dance music that is consumed or liked by people who like pop music, especially young younger people.
0: Yeah, I don't think that your reading of the vocals is is like an overinterpretation. Um, I was actually recently preparing for an interview with this fashion designer who does a lot of the sound design for his runway shows and he commented in this interview that he's pulling a lot of vocal samples and manipulating them and pitch shifting them just to like bring some, um, yeah, like gender ambiguity to the runway, which I think is quite interesting. And I, I do see how that is reflected in the fever re- release. Um, when I was asking about what impact this has on music making, I guess, you know, on a broader kind of scene level, I'm thinking also about I, Jordan and Sherelle's release. Um, they're very much representative of this new guard of jungle adjacent producers who are injecting new life into this genre. It seems like a lot of the big names in the scene right now are female, trans, non-binary, um, do you find this unusual, or and or do you see this happening concurrently in other areas of dance music?
2: It's it's definitely a newer thing for for jungle and drum and bass, which have historically been very very masculine, um, both like in musical approach and just in the community around them. Um, and there's always been strong women in drum and bass and jungle, uh, but now it feels like yeah something different is happening, and I feel like a lot of the most exciting stuff is being made by by women or non-binary people which is really exciting and i just feel like while it's radical for someone like i jordan or sherelle to talk about their their gender and make it front and center i also think it's really nice how it almost doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore either like the fact that um sherelle and i jordan can go on tour and they're both non-binary and they have this huge following across the UK and everyone loves their music like and that's just great You know like they like is definitely at the forefront of drum and bass in the UK um, and that's just Like that that's just how it is and that's great. It doesn't have to be like a like we should celebrate it because it's different than it was before but it, it also like yeah, it's just I think across most genres of, of, of dance music the women and non- non-binary people are doing the most interesting stuff generally
0: So another theme that we touched on in this roundtable that also came up in the last, uh, especially when we talked about Caroline Polachek's new album, was uh, themes around desire and love. And it seems like these are ideas that are cropping up more and more in music, especially like pop music. Um, I know Paw's forthcoming album on Fabric is also kind of love-themed. It's called Love Has Never Been a Popular Movement. What do you two make of this as a new trope?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, this love is a popular um, topic within music, but I think it has been definitely less explored in our world. And yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, like we're coming out of, you know, a very difficult time in the pandemic where people were, sitting back and reflecting on what they wanted out of their connections with people. Um, and, you know, everyone read all about love. Um, I read a few chapters I still need to finish, but, (laughs) um, yeah, I think it's interesting and I think it also has a lot to do with queerness as well. Um, like, uh, Tygo Paw's upcoming album, like, really, is a lot about self love, um, and a lot of their recent projects have been about, you know, like coming terms with their coming to terms with their identity, um, and you know. Um,
2: I mean, like, like Kiana said, love is definitely not a new subject, but there is definitely at least this trend with these albums in the past six months: Eves Tumor, Caroline Polachek. Viva where they're really dissecting love and going into like, it's more like grotesque depths, focusing on how love is not just like a thing that makes you feel like happy and bubbly, but like it can consume you, it can destroy you, it can confuse you. You know, um, there's a line on the Caroline album where she says that she wants to dive into her lover's face like you know just like really really grotesque intense physical imagery and i think you know part of that you could attribute to people being more more open to understanding of their own identities and how they uh, their own identities and how they interact with people and then how that manifests physically but also i, I just think it's probably a coincidence but yeah i mean I, the, the amount of times i've, I've written in a, in a review of like a pop leaning album that it's like an exploration of love or whatever is starting to feel cliched but it's just true um and I just, I think it's part of a new awareness of our bodies and our own identities based on, um, query discourse and literature over the past few years, basically.
0: That's interesting. But I agree with Kiana that this is something we're seeing more of now in our scene, which I haven't really seen so much before, um, which I find interesting. Um, what releases are coming up that you're each looking forward to?
2: One thing I'm excited about next month is the Mara album, M-A-A-R-A. She's a Canadian producer who is closely aligned with the D. Tiffany and Rosa Terenzi axis of stuff. Her album is called The Ancient Truth. It's coming out mid-April on Rosa Terenzi's label, All Chain. And Mara has developed this like really breaky kind of elastic trance sound over the past few years on her EPs. And the new LP is just like... Unbelievable! Like a huge, a huge leap forward. Um, the tracks are really catchy. The production is amazing. There's a lot more of those like stretchy, spongy textures I was talking about earlier. Um, we'll definitely probably be discussing that one next month on this podcast. Um, I think the Nathan Fake album coming out in April is really cool. It kind of brings the wispy, new H.E. synth stuff he's been doing recently back to the Ravier proggy stuff that he did. When he first started so it's like a really neat blend of atmospheric synth music with more like trendy modern techno beats um i really like i guess it's out already but the hysterical love project album on motion ward which is an ambient label based out of la it's kind of like galaxy 500 meets massive star meets New ambient music, um, very simple, like synth and guitar with really, really simple, uh, pretty hooks. And I'm, I've been really into that one too.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about um, RP Boo's next album, Legacy Volume 2. Um, and I've been talking about this a lot um, listening through this album, but I think it's so interesting how he reuses samples um which is like kind of like a no-no in music generally um but like if you listen i reviewed um his last album and if you listen to his discography close enough and for long enough you'll realize that like he just uses, um, a lot of the same samples, um, in new tracks and like, you know, like obviously does different things with them each time. But, um, I think it's like a really cool and bold move, um, um, uh, to see. And I'm also excited for the Jesse Ware album. That feels good. Um, again, talking about, you know, pop and electronic music, crossover um disco is like still having its moment um and yeah i'm excited about that
0: cool well that galaxy 500 mazzy star album sounds like something that's right up my alley so i am looking forward to hearing that
2: (laughs) yeah uh the, the the group is called hysterical love projects and the album is called lashes
0: i actually don't know them so i will look them up thank you um Cool. Well, thank you so much both for joining me today. And I look forward to talking to you again next month.
2: All right. See you on the other side.
0: Thank you for listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. You can browse our full archive of episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you love this show, leave us a review and a rating as it helps get our stories to more ears and subscribe to our channel to keep up to date on everything we have coming out. If you have ideas for someone you'd like to hear on the RA Exchange or documentary or series ideas you'd like for us to explore, feel free to reach us over email at exchange at RA.co. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Take care.